Well, did you notice anything different in the sanctuary this morning? Looks the same, right? Every day, come Sunday, Sunday. It's kind of orange, large letters. You see it, gospel. Okay. It, it's right here. You see it now, gospel. It's past uh, Wednesday, and we had our annual meeting. Always have to review the finances. We were able to, by God's grace, again, and uh, you're in the black, and all is to the praise of His glory. We followed up with some ministry reports, each one of the pastors, about some things that in the past, but as we look forward to our, our year ahead. And one of the things that I was talking previously, previously to Pastor Phil and Pastor Andrew about, and I've never done this before. I've never. All the years of ministry I've had, I've never said or had a theme for the year or a focus for the year. And so I said, you know, is that something, what do you think? Is that something that you would, is that a good idea? Or what do you, and, they, and they both lit up. Usually in our meetings, they don't light up like that. It's kind of dull. They both lit up and said, yeah, I think that would be a great idea. And I said, okay, so let's, let's talk about some ideas. And what, what, what's something good for us to focus on for the, the year? And uh, as we talked about it, we really talked about a couple of things, and it, just, and it came down to this, gospel in life. In other words, our theme, our focus for the year is gospel in life. The problem is, what does that mean? What does gospel in life mean? And so... Uh, that's what I'm going to attempt to uh, go through to say to, for you to see as we begin this year. What does gospel in life mean? And and we have already, for instance, we our men's uh, study this this spring is uh, 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 gospel-centered manhood. Well, that's that's what we're saying: a gospel in life. We're gonna, I'm going to ask two questions. I'm going to or try to answer two questions for us to. Uh, understand this. First of all, what is the gospel? If we're going to have gospel in life, we have to know what the gospel is. And then we'll answer the question, what is gospel in life? Uh, first of all, what, what, is, what is the gospel? Uh, at least 75 times in the New Testament, the word gospel is used. It, is, it means good news or good message. I'm going to give you some good news. I'm going to give you a good message. It would be saying that I'm going to give you the gospel. Uh, various nuances to the gospel. Uh, sometimes people say, what is the gospel? Well, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the gospel. Well, those, we, re, we often refer to those four books as the gospel. It has to do, of course, with the life of Christ. That's not necessarily a bad answer, but that's not really what the gospel is. Sometimes when they say, well, what is the gospel? Uh, they go to a, a dictionary and look it up. What is, what is, how does it define? In the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, it says this. The gospel is the joyous proclamation of God's redemptive activity in Christ Jesus on, beha on behalf of man enslaved by sin. 
That's not exactly what the gospel is. Now, it's, if you caught the definition, that primarily has to do with the proclamation of the gospel, but that still doesn't tell me what the gospel is. And often we will turn, or someone will say, well, John 3.16, uh, sometimes referred to as the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that, that's good, but first of all, gospel is not even used in the verse. And secondly, it has to do more on uh, the belief in the message of the gospel. <clears throat> so those, those three nuances, they're not necessarily bad, but that still doesn't tell us what the gospel is. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. This is... I found this new word this week. Succinct. Definitive would be another way, but uh, succinct, I'm not sure I can use it in Scrabble yet, but succinct message. <clears throat> this is, in, in the first four verses of, of 1 Corinthians 15, is a succinct message. In other words, this is a succinct definition to help us understand what the gospel, what is the gospel. He defined, Paul specifically defines the gospel in these first four verses. Moreover, brethren, which, is, which is, can also be translated, now I remind you. Now this is something, something new, but it says, now I remind you, and moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. He's not still told us what exactly that is, but I declare to you the gospel. So there must be, there's something innate within that. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, so he preached the gospel, he declared the gospel, which also you received, in which you stand. They received the gospel, and they stand on the truth of the gospel. What, that still doesn't tell us what the gospel is. By which also you are saved, and they're saved by the gospel. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, un unless you believed in vain. In other words, they had to believe in the gospel message in order to have salvation. They didn't believe, they don't have it. Verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Now we've, we're going to find out the nuances, the, the true, the, the uh, definition of the gospel. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that, first of all, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Now we see the first aspect of the gospel, that Christ died. He had to die. Someone had to die. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that verse 4, he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So as we look at the succinct message, these three things stand out. We talk about the gospel. Christ died. We had to have a sinless, a sinless substitute God's righteousness demanded a sinless sacrifice. We see that consistently uh, laid out for us in the Old Testament scriptures, all leading up to the cross. Christ was the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfillment of the righteous, God's righteous demands, which demanded a sinless sacrifice. So Christ died. He was our sinless substitute. Secondly, Christ was buried. He was the slain substitute. 
God's, righteous demand, God's righteousness demanded full payment. There's no halfway. When you took your sacrificial lamb to the priest, you laid your hands on the head of the lamb. This lamb represents my sin. And then you took the knife and you cut the lamb's throat or the, so it would bleed out. You killed the lamb. It, 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 the, the lamb of God who cometh to take away the sin of the world has been slain for your sin and my sin and he was buried. It was complete. That lamb did not get up and walk away. It was dead. Christ died, a sinless substitute. Christ was buried. He was a slain substitute. And Christ rose again. God, God's righteous demands were satisfied. So when we talk about the gospel, the succinct message of the gospel, Christ died, he was buried, he rose again. He was a sinless, slain, sufficient substitute. God was satisfied with this perfect sacrifice. Secondly, we're still talking about what is the gospel. There's some additional truth I want to call your attention to in these three verses. In each, each of these three verses, the gospel is used. Romans chapter 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Christ was slain, the slain, the sinless, the satisfaction, the sufficient, I mean, substitute for us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And notice he says, gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Listen again. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, comma, the gospel of your salvation, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Then Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 20. Just stay with me. This will make sense. Colossians 1, 22 and 23. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and, not, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So this additional truth that we've already talked about, that succinct message, the gospel is not something... What do, so what do we learn from this? particularly if you go back to Romans 1.16. The gospel is not something man does, but is what God has done through Christ, for man through Christ. See, the gospel message is not something that you and I have done. That's, that's the joy of the fact when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I have absolute assurance of eternal life because my salvation is dependent upon what I have done but it's uh, dependent on what God has done for me through Christ. Second additional truth. 
The gospel is appropriated through faith. Several times he said trusted in, believed, faith. So the gospel is not something man does. It is what God has done for man through Christ. The gospel is appropriated through faith. Again, you go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. The application to take that message, as even this says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it's the power of God unto salvation. Well, how does it become the power of God unto salvation? You look at Ephesians 1, 13, 14, having believed, having received, having trusted the gospel. The third additional truth there, the gospel has eternal consequences. I mean, think about it. This good news, this great message, has eternal consequences, not only for you, but for whoever hears it, whether they believe it or reject it, it has eternal consequences one way or the other. This is the good news. This is the good message. So, I said all that to say this. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the sinless life atoning death, and resurrection of Jesus. Those, all those three aspects must be part of the gospel. Now, whether you present every aspect of that in your witnessing and telling someone about Christ, but as your understanding, as their understanding grows of that, they must be able to see that, the sinless life, atoning death, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's the gospel. Which brings us to the second question. What is gospel in life? If that's the gospel, how can I take the gospel and, and have it so to be spark part of my life or in life? What does that mean, gospel in life? Well, let me, let me take you to these three passages of Scripture. And, and again, stay with me. I think it will become clear, I hope. Romans 10, verse 16a. And, and notice the similarities of things that are said in each verse. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed a report? 2 Thessalonians 1.8. In Flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Peter 4.17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Interesting word, and again, you, you, I don't want to get too technical, but just simply understand this. This word obey, in these three verses, can be translated, take heed, accept, welcome, hearken, believe. The overriding emphasis in these three verses still has to do with trusting. For instance, it could say, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. It could be read, but they have not all believed the gospel. For Isaiah said... Lord, who has believed a report. But nonetheless, you, can't, you cannot reject the idea, the fact that it was translated obey, to keep that in mind. Now, I said that to say this. The primary focus 
of these verses, the message of the gospel must be accepted, must be believed. You cannot, that's the overriding focus of these three verses. The message of the gospel must be accepted and believed. But there is a secondary focus that's tied to that word obey. And that is this. Belief in the gospel will produce a life of obedience. Gospel in life will produce a life of obedience. Did anybody see the box? Did you wonder why it's there? Somebody put it there. And it has this note on it. Oh my goodness, it's really heavy. Let's say Let's say there's a bomb in this box. There's not really a bomb in this box. Let's say there's a bomb in this box. And it's going to detonate in two minutes. It's going to blow this whole building to bits. What would you do? Well, it depended on whether you believed me or not. That would determine your response to what I just told you. There's a bomb in this box. It's going to detonate in two minutes, and it's going to blow this building to bits. I already saw some parents put their hands on their children to push them down so they could get out first. If you do not believe, you'll remain seated. You may mock. Uh, You may joke about it, but you don't believe. If you do believe it, you're going to get up as quickly as possible and move as graciously but as quickly as possible out to the parking lot, get in your car, and get as far away from this building as quickly as you can, if you believe it. The point is this, belief, belief, produces a response in your life. Belief is going to bring some action because you believe. Just like unbelief causes you to react in not believing it to be true. So belief is going to bring some action. There's not a bomb in this box. But if there was, do you believe it? How do you respond to it? See, your belief is going to require a response. And how you respond is going to tell me whether you believe or unbelieve. Now, the point is this. Belief in the gospel and living out the gospel in life is similar to this illustration of the bomb in the box. If you have placed your faith in the gospel to save you, It will be seen in your actions. That belief in the gospel will produce a life of obedience, which is faith in action, which brings us to this. So what is the gospel? Gospel in life is a 24-7 demonstration of a life lived in obedience to the word of God. 
Is that, is that too long? Gospel in life is a 24-7 demonstration of a life lived in obedience to the Word of God. If I believe that that is really a bomb in that box, I'm going to respond. If I really believe that the gospel is true, and I put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, it's not going to make just a difference for eternity. It's going to make a difference today. To believe in the gospel will produce a life of obedience and faith in Christ. Gospel in life is a 24-7 demonstration of a life lived in obedience to the word of God. Your hobby, your employment, your communication with your friends or with the cashier. It's 24-7. Your relatives, your traveling, your vacation. You're in the fishing stream by yourself. See, it's 24-7, a demonstration of life lived in obedience to the Word of God. Which brings us to our key verse, or theme verse for the year, James 1.22. Sometimes later I'll discuss the whole thing, but I just want to mention these things. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word. That, that word doers is what we call a present imperative. Present means a continuous action. That's why I have habitually submit to obey the word of God. In other words, as I study, as I read, and as I seek to understand the scriptures, it's not an academic exercise, but it's an application exercise to, to habitually submit to obey the word. Imperative. Imperative is a command which is uh, to proactively seek to live the word. This is not just, again, this is not a passing glance. This is not a passing hearing. But this is doing. This is putting into practice the gospel on a daily basis in my life, hour by hour. There's no days off from being a believer. There's no vacation time from acting in obedience Submitting yourself to the scriptures on a daily basis. See, gospel in life is 24-7. It's a demonstration of a life lived in obedience to the word of God. Now, so what does that look like? This is actually my conclusion. Now, that was really a fast message. I thought it would take longer, but that's a fast message. But this is a conclusion. So what does that look like? I'm going to, give, I'm going to suggest four areas to help you to think about gospel in life. First one, service. If I'm living out, demonstrating 24-7, demonstrating my life, living, trying to live in obedience to the word of God, service is going to be selfless rather than self-seeking. It's not about me. In other words, I don't have to receive the credit. I don't even have to recognize, get recognition. I don't care who receives the credit. Because if I'm living out gospel in life, service, hopefully, is why goal would be selfless, not self-seeking. Prayer. Your prayer life is going to take a, a dramatic change. 
It's going to have a general, generous stretches of adoration and praise. Now, prayer contains our petitions. But nine times out of ten, that's all our prayer contains, is petitions. But our prayer life is suddenly, gospel in life, gospel in prayer, is going to take some generous stretches of, of praise and adoration. I may never even get to any requests. Because it's not about what God can do for me, and he can do anything he wants, but it's who God is. There are certain things I know that, that, that touch you that may not touch me, but there are certain things that touch me or affect me that may not affect you. For instance, I, for some of you, maybe it's the overwhelming love of God, the overwhelming grace of God, the overwhelming holiness of God. But the thing that just I cannot get over is the overwhelming patience of God. Here I am to live the gospel in life 24-7. And yes, you know what? I fail. You will fail. But you don't quit because the gospel in life is continuing on. You're progressing. You're going forward. Your prayer life may have general stretch, generous stretches of Scripture. As you memorize Scripture and the Holy Spirit brings that to your mind and you interject that into your prayer. See, gospel and life, it's going to change your service. It's going to change your prayer life. Evangelism. Life on life, family on family. Fritz Chrysler died in 1962. He is a world-famous violinist. He earned a fortune with his concerts and compositions, but he generously gave away most of what he earned. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having saved up enough money, he returned to the seller to purchase it if possible. When he got there, the seller told him it had been sold to a collector. He wanted to know who the collector was, and so he went and visited the collector. And he said, could I buy the violin from you. And the collector said, no, it has become one of my prized possessions. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler looked at him and said, is it possible that I play the instrument one more time before it is consigned to silence? The collector said, yes. The great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. After Chrysler was done, he said, I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Life on life, family on family. Take the gospel into the world and let people hear it. It may be your life that speaks it. It may be your voice that speaks it. But gospel and life, when it comes to evangelism, 
This is too good of a message to keep to yourself. And it's going it's, to, if gospel in life is going to make a difference in evangelism, because you're not going to be thinking, well, the church has got to provide a pro- program for me to go out door to door and knock and, and see people saved. You're going to be saying, no, you know that guy I work with? The guy I go fishing with? You know that lady across the street, my neighbor? See, it's life on life. It's family on family. It's going to affect your evangelism, gospel in life, your service, your prayer life, your evangelism. Let me give you a fourth. Trials. Listen, gospel in life is going to make a whole different, bring a whole different perspective to trials as I face them. God may allow this for my training, but he will exercise his fatherly love within the trial. He may have an ultimate purpose for us, which I believe he normally does, but, I, but I'm going to sit back and, and say, you know what? He still loves me. This may be difficult. It may be purpose of chastening. It may be purpose of growth. But his fatherly love is still in act in my life because I'm living the gospel in my life has brought a whole different perspective to trials. Gospel in life is the 24-7 demonstration of a life lived in obedience to the word of God. And it's going to make a huge difference. This is, as we go forward through this year, we, we will keep coming back to this. And I will anticipate, not only in my life, but in your life, you're going you're to have some unique experiences as you come to grasp hold, and grab hold of the gospel in life. Let's all stand for prayer. Pastor Phil will come then after I get done praying. Leave us. If you're here this morning and your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd, I'd ask that you not look around, but you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ken, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I know lots of things, but I've never accepted the gospel message. I've never accepted the good news for myself. But I would like someone to show me from the Word of God today how I can be saved. Is there anyone like that? Just slip your hand up. I'll talk to you. be more than happy to talk with you at the service. Anyone? Secondly, Pastor Ken, just pray for me that I truly will put into practice that which I believe to be true that will be evident in my life 24-7. Is there anyone like that? Yes, thank you. Others? Oh, God, we pray as we come to you. Uh, we, we just are overwhelmed with your continued grace that you manifest on a daily basis in spite of our disobedience, in spite of our activities that so much detract from the gospel, from the truth of it. We thank you, God, that your, your perseverance in working with us, your long-suffering. And Lord, we thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Certainly, Lord, above and beyond, we'll get ask or think according to the power of God that works within us. In Jesus' name, amen.